Hello, and welcome back to the World Journeys podcast, the podcast that, you know, talks about travel and lots of other stuff that is somehow connected with travel. And we are off to our second set of seven episodes, and this is episode eight. Today I'm chatting with Rob Lloyd, who is an actor, an improviser, and uh, someone who last year took a show to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, his Doctor Who-themed show, Who Me, was uh, very successful. He's also taken it to uh, around Australia and also to New Zealand. So um, he's had a bit of experience touring a show, uh, and of course, the main reason I wanted to speak to him today uh, was because... Uh, of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is about to start at the beginning of August over in Scotland. Uh, And I wanted to talk to Rob about his experiences there last year. Uh, So without further ado, may the podcast begin. It's a very special World Journeys podcast. Welcome to today's very special guest, Rob Lloyd! Yay! Woohoo! I give myself my own round of applause. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining the podcast, Rob. Oh, absolute pleasure. Now, as listeners should know by now, um, World Journey's podcast is uh, a podcast about travel, living abroad, traveling abroad, all things foreign, and much, much more. Um... I feel like that's an ad for something, but I can't remember what. Uh, so everything auto and much, much more. I don't know what that is. Anyway, um, and today I've asked Rob Lloyd on the uh, podcast because uh, Rob's done a, a bit of travel in the last couple of years. Uh, Rob is, uh, amongst many things, an actor by trade. <laughs> and uh, he, he uh, last year he had the... Edinburgh was lucky enough to host <laughs> Rob yeah. Lloyd's show. Yes, the uh, the largest sort of like live performance uh, festival in the world were were lucky to have uh, to have Rob Lloyd there. I think that was the headline that most of the world press were going for in 2013. It was a crazy year. Well, I've got to be honest with you. I know the name of your show, and I don't know the name of a single other show that was <laughs> on at the Edinburgh Fringe last year. So, um. You know, well, yeah. They didn't so, ask me, so you know, for the twenty eighth year in a row, is a bit cut. Well, yeah, I think you should be. I think the, the the nerves that they have, they're feeling a bit intimidated by you, and I think they should just, you know, just forget about those 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 feelings of inadequacy and just approach you. And finally, we'll get to see you. Know, you know, your show live on stage and everyone can come and enjoy the you know wonderfulness of your opinion of the world well yes well as you know my my show uh, my show is basically 16 hours of me standing on stage listing everything that annoys me <laughs> um, but for Edinburgh I was prepared to modify it to do it all in a bad Scottish accent um, throwing you know haggis at the audience they, at the same time they would have loved it lapped it up there's nothing like a whole bunch of awful Scottish cliches when you're talking about anything to do with Scotland. Exactly. Because we know what uh, 
Australian people love the most is uh, uh, you know an American or a Brit coming out and doing a show about how funny our accent is and acting out all our cliches live on stage. There's nothing more entertaining than that. For all our international listeners, and I think possibly quite a few of them are not from Australia, in fact the majority, um, just to let you know, Australians don't have accents and you all do. Exactly, exactly. We, yeah, and we, the majority of us, unlike our leaders, are very welcoming and accepting of uh, people from all over the world. Oh, that's right, mate. <laughs> mate. Welcome to Australia. Australia. So, Rob, first of all, let's begin uh, with a little background. Why don't you tell us um, about your show? Sure. And, well, let's start with the show. Okay, uh, the show's called Who Me? And it's um, about my obsession with Doctor Who. It's sort of like the second part of a nerd trilogy that I've been working on for the last couple of years. The first... I'm just going to have to stop you there. Um, Doctor Who, what, what is that? Well, Doctor Who is a science fiction show, Andrew. You may not have heard of it. Yeah, that uh, has run for over 50 years now. It's basically about a guy from another planet who travels around time and space in a machine called the TARDIS and just pretty much um, saves the universe every single episode. Dear listener, if you have not heard of Doctor Who before, you need to take a good hard look at yourself. (laughs) Um, So, yes, Who Me was about my obsession with the television show Doctor Who, and I put myself on trial in the show to find out whether Doctor Who was a good influence or a bad influence over my life. Um, And uh, I've been very, very lucky uh, that the show's been so embraced by so many people and I've toured it not only around Australia but to uh, New Zealand and over to the UK for Edinburgh, which is wonderful. For all our foreign listeners again, New Zealand, Australia, two different places. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, but they do become the same if New Zealand does something really, really successful. Then we take it as our own. And then when Russell Crowe goes crazy, he's New Zealand. He's all New Zealand. We hand him back, hand him back with you know, with an open heart. So for anyone that didn't get my my uh, my subtle hilarity, uh, yes, uh, actually Doctor Who is one of the things that connects Rob and I. Um, yes, both somewhat fanatical fans. I think I've I think I watched an episode once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think of being very diplomatic. That's a, a good way to look at it. Yeah, we have a we have a mild love or, or We watched it at some point. It's, uh, it's the, a memory back then. I there. think I can remember spending a good I remember the one with the with the, the guy with the curly hair and the scarf. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or that or that thing with uh, from outer space. When stuff happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, was that was my favorite one as well. That guy who played the the lead? Yeah, he was great. He he was really he was really good. He but was. remember that other guy? I didn't like him quite no, so much. No, no, I, I prefer the him. other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I prefer the, the first one. <laughs> yeah. So Rob, how did this? Um, so already you, you've talked that you've you've taken the 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 um, the show out of Australia. Mm-hmm. So you know already. You know, we can see that this isn't just a tenuous travel length. <laughs> <laughs> that we're fully on topic with the travel podcast. Yes, yes. Um, but how did it come about that you got to take it to Edinburgh? Uh, well, I've when I started getting into 
the comedy scene. I always wanted, when I was a kid growing up, I always wanted to be an actor. But when I found out there's different forms of acting, and you could actually work as a comedian or a mime. Uh, well, yes, and when I use the word work, I use that very loosely. Um, uh, when I threw myself into the comedy world, finding out about how stand-up gigs work, about live improvisation, uh, uh, cabaret nights, all that type of stuff, I found out about the 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 staples of the comedy scene in the world, and one of them being is the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And the only festival I'd known about at that time was the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So to find out that there was a festival that embraced not just comedy, but also theatre, dance, music, uh, any type of live performance, and to have it as the biggest you know, live performance festival in the world, it was something I'd always been intrigued by, but never had the opportunity to go to. Because um, the type of stuff that I'd worked in in comedy were mostly improvisation groups or sketch comedy groups. And it was time and money and all this stuff played uh, played in the hands of me not going. But I always had a dream of doing it at least once. So when 2013 came up last year, it was the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, and I started developing solo shows for the first time. Um, I thought Who Me would be the best fit to go and would not guarantee a successful season but it would give me a more of a uh, a head start because from what I've I've had so many friends go to Edinburgh and find out the difficulties of doing it how hard it is to find audiences how many people there are how many shows are there all these horror stories I found out so did you go to Edinburgh like I mean was that totally under your own steam I want to take the show to Edinburgh uh, you know, working with your your producer, let's find a venue, let's let's get in there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a festival that um, you aren't invited to. You well, you apply for really. Uh, if you can find a venue, if they accept you, then you're in. So we applied for. We found out how the festival runs and where the best. F- fit for us is my my producer and director at the time went over to the edinburgh fringe the year before to suss it out he went and produced another show and so he got to see which venues worked which was better which had a better reputation uh how he could write it off as a tax exactly exactly uh and so he came back and gave us a lot of ideas so we applied for a couple of venues we got into the one of the ones in our top five and then the process began of you know publicizing uh publicizing the show sorting out technical requirements and then hitting the ground running when you get there so how long before this show opened did you hit edinburgh we hit edinburgh edinburgh i got there a couple of days before like only about a a day or two yeah i hit edinburgh in 1999 and um my hand was broken and had to be put into a plaster it's 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 not advisable to uh, punch an entire city uh, or hit it in any way shape or form i i strongly advise that so yeah i got there um uh, the uh, day or two before i met with our uh our tech who was going to be running the show sat down with him um so yeah pretty much arrived in edinburgh met him uh, that evening he took me out to to dinner at the local pub so i drank at the the arthur conan doyle which was very very cool because i'm a huge sherlock holmes fan as well and then the next day we did our tech rehearsal and the day after that we opened and we hit the ground running and we did four weeks straight pretty much performing every night every day yeah so that's four weeks yeah yeah, well, three and a half. And publicity, like, like, I mean, how did you get publicity? Because, I mean, you you only gave yourself a couple of days lead in there. Yeah, we did a lot, I did a lot of work beforehand 
on the show of going to uh, Doctor Who uh, fan sites and uh, also on Twitter as well, promoting, finding out where, you know, just like there wasn't an, Ed- there wasn't an Edinburgh Doctor Who club, but there was a Glasgow one. So I connected with them and they posted my stuff. Um, my producer... They did. That was kind of... Yeah. Because, you know, people from Edinburgh and the Glaswegians... Glaswegians. We know there's a bit of tension there. Um, so, but who unifies everybody in way, shapes, in any way, shape or form? Uh, whether you're a classic or modern, we should all work together. So, did a lot of online promotion and when we got there, we hit the ground running as well. Um, I had a new producer help me out there and found... Like I got a lot of good press. I did a lot of a couple of podcasts. I did a couple of radio spots. Um, I was interviewed by uh, a Scottish TV, which is the equivalent. Oh, wow! Yeah, equivalent of the ABC, because I was over there at the time of the fiftieth birthday of Doctor Who, and while I was there, they announced the new actor who was going to pl- be playing the lead. So it wasn't me, folks. No. It was uh, Peter Capoli, who's Scottish, and so the Scottish press were very excited by that. So they looked in the guide, they found me, and they went and interviewed me about Capaldi getting the role and um, helped me promote my show, which was a massive coup. And there were four other Doctor Who shows there. Four? Yeah. There was mine. There was a show called The Pyramids of Margate. There was a show called uh, I Need a Doctor and a show called Who Are You Supposed to Be? And we all kind of met each other, and especially myself and the cast of I Need a Doctor, which was a two-hander. They were very... We, we saw each other a lot when we were flying out shows and promoting each other's shows, and I went and saw theirs, and they came and saw mine, and and the other shows we kind of gelled as well. It became a bit of a unity in helping each other out. Publicize how were you... How were you- in the end, how were the, the audiences? Well, we did very, very well. The, what we always heard was that there's thousands of performers, there's hundreds of thousands of punters. I was going there with no... Nobody knew who I was. I was going on the basis of the 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 love of Doctor Who. Um, going and the to, fact that you look like David Tennant. And the fact that I looked like David Tennant helped a bit. That's why flyering was my, majorly important. Did you fly out... Every day. Yes, but yeah. with costume. <laughs> in costume, every day in costume. Uh, it was my routine. The show was on at one thirty in the afternoon, which is actually a really prime time at the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, any other festival, you know, an afternoon session on a, a weekday is just unheard of. But for Fringe, it's a really good time. Mornings are for cabaret, afternoons are for theatre, and evenings are for stand-ups. So, uh, flying every day, dressed as the Tenth Doctor, so many people stopped me because, oh, they'd accept a flyer because in the UK, Doctor Who is like one of their, you know, icons. It's one of their traditions. It's, you know, it's been, it's up there with like Faulty Towers and Sherlock Holmes are some of the most iconic, you know, things about being British. And the IT crowd. And the IT crowd as well. So. In Australia, when I talk about Doctor Who, about every fifth or sixth person is a Doctor Who fan, or they know about Doctor Who. In the Which UK, incidentally is much, much more more common than it was. Yes, but <laughs> in, in the UK, everyone knew it, and pretty much everyone was a fan. I think I handed out, you know, thousands of flyers, and I only had one person who said, "No, I don't like Doctor Who," and I kid you not, yeah, one person went, "No, I'm not a Who fan." So it was, yeah, it was a hard slog, um, and the crowds were actually really, really good. We were told horror stories about uh, average audiences were about three people, and we, Whoa. yeah, we were in an eighty-seat venue, which was massive for a first timer at Fringe, um, and we were averaging about 
we averaged about 30, 30 punters, which was great. We got close to sell out about five times, which was really impressive. One was on a Monday afternoon when I actually had Dan Starkey in, who plays a character in the modern series called uh, Strax, and he was in the audience when I had an almost sell-out crowd, which was great. Um, it's just a, yeah, and I, I remember one time in particular, I'd finished a, a show and I had 25 people in the audience, and they loved it, it was a good show and stuff like that, but I was feeling really down because I'm there going, man, I'm not like really moving these tickets a lot. You know, I've been consistent all the time. It was near the end of the third week. So that's the dip when you've been doing it so long and you love doing the show, but you're just tired and exhausted and you just want a change of crowds going up or whatever. And so we did the show. I was really down, really irritable. And I went and saw another show, which was a friend of ours uh, had put on. And Australian? No, uh, this is the thing. When I was over in uh, the UK, they announced the new doctor. But in the UK, you need a license to have a TV. Uh, and that license money funds the BBC. And I didn't have a TV where I was staying. So I got on stage at the end of my show for two, uh, th- for three days leading up to the Sunday going, seriously, if anyone has a, a spare TV... I would just come in for half an hour, watch the announcement, and then leave. And everyone would laugh. I go, "No, I'm serious." And on the Sunday, the, the 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 afternoon of the announcement, I made the same statement, and this American uh, girl put her hand up and she said, "Oh, come to our place. We're we're here doing a show. You can come watch the show. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. That's why I'm here. And you can watch the announcement, and the others will be fine." And so. And so th- this was Laura, and we met, and we became great friends, and the rest of the cast of the show, we, we became mates as well. They didn't know anything about Doctor Who, and so we, we, they were <laughs> highly bemused when this announcement was made, and I'm jumping to my feet, a 36-year-old man jumping to his feet, punching the, the air, going, yes, we've got an old Doctor again, and everyone going, what the hell's going on? Um, but we went and saw their show, and their show was from New York. They're from they're from Manhattan, and they were doing a show about three generations of women, Jewish women, affected by the Holocaust. And they were in a ninety seat venue, and the crowd that I went to see it, there were four people. Oh. Yeah, and um, and they said, uh, yeah, that was one one of their lowest crowds. And so I just and I walked away from a twenty five crowd uh size crowd and i'm there really pissed off and i saw four people in this 90 seat venue and i just that gave me a bit of humble pie and a bit of perspective so it's it's a tough festival a lot of people have to cancel shows a lot of people have to try and fight through there's thousands upon thousands of shows so were there a lot of um international acts at the edinburgh oh yeah there the what i found out most interesting is there were a lot of American high school groups who it's a part of their program to a part of the school curriculum is in year 10, they have to work on a piece that they, 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 their school excursion is to do the Edinburgh fringe. There's a whole sub genre of shows at the Edinburgh fringe. There are university choral groups and acapella groups. So you have all the university, all the major universities around the UK have their choir group or their glee club and they all come these groups of you know 30 you know early 20s boys in matching t-shirts with their insignia on it singing covers of hit me baby one more time and then you raise me up trying to get people in and there's a subgenre of um middle america 
drama teachers who do an excursion once a year or once every two years where they get a cast, they put on a Shakespeare play and they bring it to Edinburgh. And these shows, you know, sell, not you know, not complete sellouts, but I went and saw... But really, what you, you want to go over there, you just want to cover your expenses, yeah, that's... Well, yeah, and this was, but this was the an excursion, high school kids performing at the Edinburgh Fringe. We've got performers here in Australia who would give their left nut or their left boob to go and perform in the Edinburgh Fringe, and we've got high school kids... Who are going? Oh my God! This is incredible. Yeah, we'll come back in two years and do it again, and it's just an excursion for them. It's 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 insane. They do a you know do four shows or five shows. They're there for two weeks, and they go back home, and you know it's just part of their you know summer holiday. It's an excursion. So, um, I mean, is there a huge outlay when you like for the venue? Yeah, I, I was I was aware. It was going to, everyone said you're never going to make any money in your first couple of years, and that's fair enough. You've got to pay for flights, accommodation, and just to survive while you're there. Um, and I always knew it was going to be, it wasn't about that. I always saved as much money as I could to, to go for the experience and try as best I can to make back some money. Um, but it was never about making money. It was a case more of getting my name out there. So I picked up a lot of new followers on my Facebook page and on Twitter. And a lot of people know who I am. I set a bit of a, uh, a sort of like a campaign while I was over there. Because for years I've been, related, I've been compared to David Tennant, who's the 10th actor to play Doctor Who. And so for, for and six the years... And 11th. And yes. Well, whichever. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Well, technically the 11th and 12th. Yes. But uh, the ninth is now not a number. He is a name. Anyway, so um, so I um, I knew it was just going to be a case of getting my name out there, and I set a campaign up where for the six, for six years I've I've been had people coming up to me going, "You look exactly like David Tennant." While I was there in Scotland in the UK, I said at the end of every show, "If you ever meet David Tennant, go up to him and say you look exactly like Rob Lloyd." And that's how I ended my show in the UK. And I actually had someone go up to him and say that within the first, well, within two months after I'd done the show in Edinburgh because he was doing Richard II on the West End in London. And so someone who came to the show was from London. She went with a friend to see the show and afterwards she hung around backstage and went up to him and said, as God is my witness, I can't believe I'm going to say this to David Tennant. And he looked up, he was surrounded by fawning fangirls. And she said, but you look exactly like Rob Lloyd. And he went, what? And she laughed and she said, trust me, it's scary, and walked off. Did she tape it? Um, she didn't tape it, but, yeah, she she did she tell me. Had the, she have just had the phone on. I know, I just have it in there. But, yeah, so so um, Alex Marshall is uh, forever the, the girl who started it. So she's the first girl. Oh, that's Alex. I, your big shout-out to Alex Marshall if you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably aren't, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's, uh, she's the first girl to uh, go up to David Tennant and say that. So, yeah, the, the, the money side of things, and plus because uh, my wife came over as well, so we knew it was not going to really be a money maker. It was more of an experience, and also we made it a holiday as well. So we spent an extra week in... Uh, Scotland after the festival we went up to the Highlands for a couple of days uh, on a tour and then we came back and spent the last two days of our trip just around Scot- around Edinburgh when the festival had finished and that was just incredible see the town back to the way it is before festival hits so following on from there first of all um, what was the like uh, how would you rate the experience of the Edinburgh Fringe let's 
presume that not everyone who's listening is going to mount their own show and take it to Edinburgh. But yeah. A lot of people, it's a very famous festival, obviously. Probably the world, well, definitely the world's most well-known Fringe Festival. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and, you know, we, I mean, we have the Melbourne Fringe Festival, which is coming up very shortly. Yes, coming September. up at the end of, end of September, yeah. End of September. We also have every two years, I think, the Adelaide Fringe. Adelaide Fringe is now every year. It's now every year. Yeah, okay. that's probably our biggest Fringe Festival in Australia is the Adelaide Fringe. The thing about Edinburgh is it's the biggest festival, one of the biggest live festivals in the world, but it's also, um, it takes the entire city over. Edinburgh is quite a small city. Um and compared to Melbourne especially it's, it's quite tiny so the entire town is taken over so our Melbourne fringe pretty much goes without a whimper it's known within the community um, but it, the comedy festival's bigger in comedy fe- than com- the, the three big festivals in the world are Edinburgh Montreal just for laughs and uh, the Melbourne Comedy Festival so the Comedy Festival has more of an understanding but it doesn't really take over the entire city because Melbourne's quite spread out and there, you know, the people out in the western suburbs just think that the comedy festival is the gala that they play on TV. The Adelaide Fringe is on in February, still is it? February, yeah, yeah, and the start where of March. It's piping hot. But um, I remember, I mean, that was our school excursion. We didn't put a show on, but yeah. we went, we went to the Adelaide Fringe, and I definitely, I would say that Adelaide certainly was taken over. Yeah, Adelaide is at the taken time. Over, it's yeah. really, it really does embrace the, the festival, and if you. Are coming to Australia and Adelaide is on your maybe list, and you're around about February. That is the time to visit yeah. Adelaide. They do call it Mad March because it's like the start of February but all of March. And basically, because they have the Adelaide Fringe Festival, they have the Adelaide Arts Festival, they have uh, Warm Adelaide, and they have the Clipsal. So they have every. That's a car race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have every manner of event done all at the one time and everyone said well why don't they spread it out over the entire year but it's a case of no get it all out of the way get everyone into the city and then Adelaide can go back to being normal is what the the, uh, the council want so all these festivals don't Adelaide does affect the, the city in a major way but Edinburgh the entire city is taken over there are venues everywhere and a lot of these venues are only opened up once a, once a year for that month and like huge spaces, cavernous spaces that only see the light of day once a year. It's just amazing to me. Uh, and there are shows on all day. Like for the Comedy Festival or the Fringe Festival, we have shows, the earliest show starts say about five in the afternoon. And we have shows that go up till about like 11 o'clock at night, maybe at midnight if you're doing a late night one-off show on a Saturday or a Friday. But in Edinburgh, shows are going all the time. The earliest shows start about 10 in the morning. And there are shows that go on at like two in the morning, so they go all the way through. And so I, my spot was at you know one thirty in the afternoon, and that was prime time. There were people out. There's a whole section, the the Royal Mile, which is in old Edinburgh, which is just taken over by flyers and uh, acts and presenting little clips. And people go down there specifically just to walk through and be barraged by hundreds of people flying the show. Hundreds, and it happens all day. I went down at 11 every day to flyer, and it was already packed at 11 in the morning uh, with people flying shows going, you want to see a show in the next hour? You want to see a show in the next half hour? You want to see a show in the next 15 minutes? You blah, 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 blah. How much are you paying generally for, like, I mean, obviously, let's let's not talk about the major headline shows such as yours, but... Um, <laughs> 
But like, you know, you want to go and see a show. Uh, what, what's it we, setting you back? Our average, our average ticket price was about, I think it was, gee, this stretching seven pounds, seven pounds, and that's pretty pretty reasonable. So that and that works out to be, you know, like. 12 bucks 12 bucks yeah yeah so it was and there were shows that we were charging a lot more um, obviously but yeah we were doing we were setting it at a certain standard so it was not completely cheap but it was we knew we weren't going to break even but we gave ourselves because a, a certain ticket price actually gives an impression of what the quality of the show is that's true in some ways if you're looking at the semantics and the details of it so our ticket sales were reasonably priced. Our crowds, we did a lot of specials as well. So we did a case of if you go down and see the show today and mention your name at the door or say this word, you get in two for ones. So we had to do a lot of marketing going, see the show today, you want to see it today, you've got some free time today, go down now and you and your you know six friends can get in for the price of three. And that was very helpful. And... Would you say that there was a huge influx of tourists into Edinburgh? Yeah, too? yeah. Everyone, I I people think... go specifically just to experience the Edinburgh Fringe. And also because the Edinburgh Tattoo is on at the same time. Oh, is it? Okay. So every night is the tattoo on. If you don't know what the tattoo is, it's uh, it's a, it's basically a military performance, I guess, military bands. Military bands. Performing, all... marching. And they also have other acts from around the world come and do, from other military groups from around the world come and do presentations. And they have cannon fire and they have fireworks every night. Without fail, at like you know, as regular as clockwork, ten o'clock every night they do the fireworks. So any shows on at within that time would have to deal with the fireworks. A beautiful fireworks display every night when I'd be walking home or out doing something, having a drink. Ten o'clock would come, the fireworks would start. We just stop. Every night I'd watch fireworks. It was never boring and dull at all. It was like just the highlight of my one of the many highlights of my time there. So yeah. Shows were great all day long. So many different things like, you know, youth groups and musical groups and uh, choirs and comedy sketches and sketch groups and reinterpretations of classics, you know, popular stand-up shows from around the world. Uh, shows I got to see that I loved, I got to see Puppet Up about five times when I was there, which is uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop doing an impro- improvisation show with puppets, oh. which I'd seen in Melbourne in 2007, but this was a different show. Um, I got to meet one of the cast members uh, while I was doing a radio interview, Alan uh, uh, Trautman, and we're friends on, on the Tweeties. And uh, he came along and saw Who Me. He wasn't that much, he didn't know much about Who, but there's a bit in my show where I talk about teaching and he really liked that. He brought one of the other cast members along. Uh, other great shows there were um, uh, Gordon Southern, who's a wonderful uh, British comedian. There's just uh, impro groups I met a lot of people who were doing Ghostbusters shows or I saw all the Doctor Who shows a lot of nerd stuff there um, a lot of nerd love it sounds yes. like yeah. so how about Edinburgh as the town like well, well, how did you find Edinburgh it's a, it's a beautiful city Isn't and it? it's divided into two sections there's Old Town and New Town so Old Town where is the old city which is you know so many so many twists and turns and lots of stairs, lots of levels. You, you work out quite a lot because basically the town, the centre of Edinburgh was built 
up and up and up and up. So whenever there was a plague or a massive wipeout of the population, they'd just build on top of it. And that's why the castle is on the top of the hill. Yeah, because the hill is... Just, and that's why there's so many caverns underneath the bottom of Edinburgh, where there's, you know, it's apparently one of the most haunted cities in the world, is because just of all the layers that they just they just didn't wipe it down and start again. They just built on top of it. So it just sort of like a, comes up to a peak. And then you go to New Edinburgh, which is more like everywhere else, but it was one of the first cities to do the grid format. Like in Melbourne CBD, you've just got you know the, the straight lines. And Edinburgh was one of the first cities to do that. So you cross the bridge and then you go into a beautifully laid out, they were under a lot of constructions at the time, preserving the essence of the heritage of this, you know, this ancient city, um, but still keeping it quite modern and fresh. So it's really, you just cross the bridge and you go from modern times and then you go over to the other side and it's beautiful and it's old and, um, you know, really thin streets and cobblestone uh, and so much to see, so much to do. It's, it's, a, it's a vibrant city and a, just a, a beautiful place. I just adored it. How was the weather while you were there? Weather was great. It was, we were there in August, so it, it would rain probably once a day for about half an hour. And it was just very light rain. Sometimes it would be a little intense. But the thing was, it would rain like clockwork just at the end of my show. So I'd finish my show, and what I do at the end of my show is I sell posters and, and, and badges. And I had to do it outside because it was a very small venue and there wasn't enough room and we had to cross over with the show in after us. So I'd go up the top of the stairs. As people were coming out, I'd be there with flyers and, and badges and say, come over here, you know, have a chat and stuff like that. So for so many of the shows, it would rain just as soon as the show finished. So people would be walking out, and instead of going, oh, let's stick around and buy an autograph or, you know, sorry, buy a poster or a badge, they'd go, oh, it's raining, let's run away and go under shelter. So that was always annoying. But... Like it was beautiful. It was always in the the low twenties for the for the pretty much the entire time there. That's August, and I was. Yeah. I it's been a, it's been a, um, some fifteen years <laughs> since I went to Edinburgh myself, but I was there in uh, July nineteen ninety nine, and one of my distinct memories from Edinburgh at the height of summer was that the maximum it got in the three or four days that I was there was about 12. Mm. It was so cold. I've heard how cold it gets during the winter and how freezing it is there because it's so high in the Northern Hemisphere, obviously. But, yeah, the, their, their summer was just... I, 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 it was the end of their summer, so it was the start of their going into uh, autumn. So the weather was quite nice. So, I quite liked it there. But well, we, low twenties. I would have given anything for low twenties. Yeah, I was in yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah. It was. Um, but I do. I recall um, climbing the hill to the castle. I've recently rediscovered my photos from that trip, so I, I didn't take a lot. The castle, in Edinburgh, was Edinburgh Castle, was just absolutely gorgeous. And it's a great view from up there, though, over the, over the town. Mm. Um, and yeah, I can only recommend to people if you're in Europe. During the summer, come the end of the summer, come August, um, get thee to Edinburgh. Go see some of the films. If you yeah. like any, if you like theatre, if you like, uh, you know, music, if you like comedy, 
you'll find something. I mean, you don't have to go there and see 25 shows in three days. You can just see a couple. Yeah. And enjoy the atmosphere of, of being there. And you can go, it sounds awesome. And it's packed with people. Like, population increases threefold. But you go for a 10-minute... It's such a small city. You go for a walk for 10 minutes and you're in one of the outer uh, suburbs. And it's just like a, you know, it's as if nothing's there. It's great. Like, I, I was quite far out I was just like it was a solid 15-20 minute walk to get to my venue but it was a lovely walk in the morning uh, and my area was just dead quiet there was a cinema just around the corner so I got to see um, you know uh, uh, World's End and Kick-Ass 2 while I was there World's End the episode of Dalek Invasion <laughs> <laughs> well there's another Doctor Who reference for you folks there uh, yeah so it was just it's yeah uh, we're coming up to the Fringe Festival, ha- Edinburgh Fringe, happening again this year for 2014, and I'm trying desperately not to think about it because I miss it so much. I knew I was, I was like not hemorrhaging money, but I knew those you know money was going out and nothing was coming back in. But I just didn't care. It was just so much fun, and I knew I'd have to work hard when I get back to. That's start that's very much a travelling thing too. Yeah. So you know, like when you go, ah, oh, whatever, ah. Oh. You know, I don't, well, let's go out. I don't care if I spend, you know, 50 pounds on drinks tonight. Yeah. You know, uh, you know you're, you're enjoying yourself when the money's disappeared, usually. Yeah. And if you're not and you're spending money, then there's something seriously wrong. You know, <laughs> if you're spending all your money and you're destroying your daily budget and um, you're having a miserable time, you're probably in the wrong place. It's probably yeah. time to just move on to the next place. But, um <laughs> How did you find, like, where, where else did you go in Scotland? Uh, we went up to the Highlands. So we had a week up there. We did, like, a four-day... Uh, What's that? A week. <laughs> so we went up to... Um, I went to Loch Ness, so we got to swim in Loch Ness. Any sign of him? No sign. No sign of him. Uh, of Nessie, of her. Uh, went up to Inverness and um, all the beautiful Highlands and just drove through the Highlands of Scotland and it was just absolutely incredible. Um, Hire car? No, with a with a with a with a, a backpacker group called McBackpackers. McBackpackers. McBackpackers, all class. Um, Did you eat at the Scottish restaurant while you were there? We we ha- um, Crean is a vegetarian, but she set herself the task of having as many different forms of haggis as possible. So we had the traditional haggis uh, neeps and taters. Uh, we had. Um, uh, deep fried haggis balls in uh, mash and jus. We had uh, haggis nachos. We had haggis spring rolls. We had haggis pie, like a shepherd's pie. Uh, we had so many different forms of haggis. And fresh, real, authentic Scottish haggis is actually lovely. When I was in Scotland, I think there was like a there was like a drop on drop, uh, like a a bus service called the Hag- Hag- Haggis. Like, and it went from place to place. Yeah. And it was a hop-on, hop-off kind of deal. And if you know bus about... Yes. Uh, in, in Europe, that they, you know, backpackers basically do a trail. They get dropped off at, at you know, the hostels that I guess probably pay to have them dropped off there. Yeah. So they, um, and, you know, everyone just gets drunk and has sex with each other, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. Um, but, I mean, that does leave me with one question, and I hate to be completely ignorant. Um... But please, for the let's presume that I know. Yeah, let's just say I know. But for the listeners, could you tell us what haggis is? Haggis is like 
it's 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 spices and herbs and all these you know and 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 vegetables all thrown together and it's uh, and bits of uh, meat and suet and all this type of stuff put into uh, it's cooked in a sheep's stomach so you don't actually eat the sheep's stomach it's like all this stuff cooked in together and it's then presented and you can have it with mashed potatoes or mashed turnips and stuff like that and it's really spicy it's got a wonderful rich taste to it but most of the versions that we get out from you know any other country but Scotland is like it's either tinned or it's heavily processed or people believe that it's actually an animal called a haggis yes exactly or they just think it is you know sheep stomach and all this type of stuff but it's a it's actually quite a beautiful and delicious uh, meal. Well, it sounds like you had it pretty much every day. We had it all. I loved the nachos. I loved the haggis nachos. Haggis nachos? Yeah. So I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, cream wasn't sold in that, but we and we both loved the deep fried haggis balls because we just like saying deep fried haggis balls. So we have many variations of them. Just beautiful history and heritage and gorgeous views and uh yeah it was a, a a hard festival as in that you had to work very hard but it was very fun well you heard it here folks rob lloyd enjoyed eating haggard's balls <laughs> yes i did yes i did i'm glad glad see so so yeah that was it was just uh, i i could talk for hours about just every little thing about it i was there for especially haggard's especially Haggis Balls. Uh, it was just beautiful country and I can't wait to go back. I remember flying into, I only got to, st- didn't get to go to England or London where I really wanted to because our funds ran out. You've never but, been there before? Not yet, no. Well, we landed in Heathrow, so I was there You've for never a visited the Who Shop? I haven't been to the Who Shop. I found Forbidden Planet, which was good in, in uh, Edinburgh. But I had to, um, yeah, as I was flying into to London to stay at Heathrow before we crossed over back to Edinburgh, um, I could see the Thames, you know, snaking its way through, serpentining its way through London. I saw the the, the London Eye, and I just saw it, and I went. I felt like I was coming, and I just felt so comfortable in the UK. I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel like any nerves or oh, I don't know what's going on. I just yeah, really comfortable. I believe about. these days it is possible. I'm not sure who by or what, but I believe it's possible actually to do like a Doctor Who tour probably of London like I'm sure there must be someone that that runs it so if you are a Doctor Who fan and you're from the States or Australia or whatever and you've come to you can uh, find the locations where they've done stuff yeah like oh well, that's available on the internet and I've, yeah. I've been to I've been to I've been to the Globe where they shot uh, where they shot uh, Shakespeare Code the Shakespeare Code I've been to uh, now what do they call it, it what, where they shot there's a, like it's an alleyway of um of warehouses where they shot Resurrection of the Dark. Yes, which is now today been, it's all yuppified. Really, it's yuppified. It's right next to the Tower Bridge. Yes. Um, I went to, you know, the steps of St. Paul, and everyone's like, oh, it's St. Paul, St. Paul. I thought, that's where the Cybermen came out of the sewers and started walking down the steps that's in right. the invasion. So I think... And there's also where the Autons came out. You can go down to... Oh, I can't remember where it is. But, um, but if there's one place that I haven't been... Uh, that I think would be great as a Doctor Who fan to visit. It's Port Miron, which also, if you're a fan of The Prisoner, is where they, they shot The Prisoner, Missing, and they shot yeah. the Doctor Who story, Mask of Mandragora. Um, 
but I mean, it's it looks like a really beautiful place to go. Yeah, yeah. Ab- above all, you know, I mean, even if it ha- had no connection, it really does look like kind of a medieval Italian village. Yeah, it does. It, um, that's why it fit, fitted so well with uh, with mask. It was perfect. It was mm. absolutely perfect. And yeah, they shot the prisoner there too. Um, so for Doctor Who fans, obviously the UK is um, chockers with. So amazing, much, so many things for you to do there. It's 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 what's amazing. The, what's how that place in Cardiff? The, Mille- is it the Millennium Centre? Millennium Centre. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, oh, I was I'm there. Very yeah. jealous. Yeah. That was that was our plan to go to London for a bit, go to Cardiff because you know Lloyd, I'm, I've got Welsh heritage, uh, wanted to go there. But next time, next time, saving the money, save the coin, and I'll get there next time. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for letting me. Uh, uh, you know, you know, gloat about my time overseas. Yes, well, I mean, it's been great, though, to, to talk about the Fringe Festival because, um, I, I mean, I spent two years in Japan, Japan and uh, in Japan they love festivals. Yeah. Each little village has their... Each little town has their own festival pretty much at some point in the year and the schools have a festival. It's it's really important. And, and I think, you know, I mean, in Australia we do have some nice festivals, but... Mm. We've got Moomba as well in, in, in Melbourne. That's a festival. Yeah. There's parades and there's the Birdman Birdman competition. Rally, yeah. There's a, a Midsummer Festival uh, in Melbourne. Which Comedy, Fringe, Movie Film Festival. We right? do have the Melbourne And the Foreign Film Festival. Yes. So I was just saying that, you know, there's, there's, there's not many festivals here and... Then I thought about six just off the top of my head. So, um, Food and wine festi- festival. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I was um, I was in Budapest, staying in a hostel, and uh, some Australians came back at about eight o'clock at night, pretty drunk, pretty happy. They said, oh, "We just went to the Budapest wine festival." I had no idea it was on. I was like, "What?" It was like, great, and we've got dates with Hungarian girls tomorrow. It's amazing. (laughs) So, I mean, that's one of the things when you're traveling, when you're backpacking around the world, try, keep your ear to the ground, the grapevine, bump into other backpackers, find out where there are festivals going on because they're always a good time. And food and wine festival, I don't think you can go wrong there, can you? (laughs) You're going to be pretty happy. You may may forget about the place that you're in technically for a while. And that's Um, okay. You can feel like you're anywhere else. Now, Rob, the, uh, the, the, the time of judgment is upon us. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can get negative scores in a game. But no, you can't get negative scores in this game. But I will okay. try my hardest to see uh, if I can get points. Okay, this is the first episode of uh, our second little uh, series of seven episodes this year. Um, and the good news is that you don't have a very high score to beat. Hope good, I'll oh, thank heaven. Five is the maximum that we've had. We've had it from... Uh, well, I think only two people have played this this game. So, <laughs> so but they and they both got five, Camilla and Andrew Higgins. They both got five. Um, so the the World Journeys Capital City Challenge, <laughs> two thirty second rounds. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I'll give you the city. You give me the country. Right. Okay. Which is everyone's agreeing that's the easy round. Okay. 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 So okay. I know the country. Okay. Okay. If you don't know, just say pass. Yep. Okay. You know, you're, the objective is just to answer as many as sure. you can. Okay. Okay. Um, preferably, you know, don't say Paris for everything in the hope that I'm going to say the right one. <laughs> it's France, by the way. Um, second round, we, we switch it around to the country. You have to even the capital city. Oh, my gosh. That's when it gets pretty darned tricky. Yeah. Okay. So, 
without further ado, <coughs> right I guess for thirty seconds. Is that right? You got thirty seconds. You've got to get, the object is to get as many as you can. Okay. I know. Okay. Right. Your time starts now. Republic of Ireland. Um, Dublin. Uh, Cuba. Uh, pass. Havana. Um, Ethiopia. Uh, Somali? No, no, no. Uh, 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 Addis Ababa. Addis Ababa. England. Uh, uh, London. <laughs> oh, <thank> France. <laughs> Paris. <laughs> Germany. Uh, Berlin. Oh, yes. Uh, Russia. Is St. Petersburg. Oh, sorry. St. Petersburg. It's Moscow. Oh, Moscow. So you got it wrong as well. Oh, that's but right. that's okay. I'm sorry. I, I had a mental blackout, and I started with the capitals. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking, I, this I is okay. This is right. I, I freaked you out. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. But the good news is that on the difficult one, on the difficult one you got four. Oh, well, and you were very, very nice to me as well. Thank you. I may have been. I may have been. <laughs> I started to feel sorry after I gave you Ethiopia. Oh, but yeah, I know Addis Ababa because it's in Superman, the original film. I should have remembered that. And I've they been there. A, yeah. Did they find a meteorite from um, uh, uh, Krypton there? I, I was looking for it when I went there, and I, I didn't see any trace. Mm-hmm. I thought they might have been barking up the wrong tree, to be perfectly honest. Um, they lied to you. They lied to you. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> so now I'm doing countries. Yes, but I might have to make this a bit harder. <laughs> okay. Because nobody's ever got four on, on, on that round. So really? You, you should be proud of that. I'm very proud. When you fail to get one right in the next... <laughs> <laughs> He's recent. Oh, come on! You're preparing before it. Oh. Well, I've got to think about what I'm going to ask. You know, I've got all these possible ones. Okay, are you ready? I am. Pyongyang. Um, uh, uh, Saigon. North Korea. North Korea. Okay. Um, Tokyo. Oh, is uh, Japan. Uh, Tehran. Uh, Iran. Oh, very good. Um, Khartoum. Um, oh, uh, I was going to say Star Wars because it sounds like the pit of Khartoum. No, I don't know. Sedan. Um, Nairobi. Uh, oh. I'll give that if you can answer. No, I can't. No, what is it? It's Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Oh, the wordplay is oh. wonderful. Actually, okay. no, I may have given you a bum rap there, actually. I'll give you one more. Just let me double-check that. I've got a feeling I'm completely wrong, and Nairobi's not the capital of Kenya. It's Dar es Salaam, but let me just... <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's a trick, you know? Yeah. It's a trap. Nairobi, Nairobi... No, actually, I was right. It is. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Six, Rob. Six. six. Oh, my God. So, technically, you're in the lead. I surprised even myself. Thank you very much. Thank you. Whew. Oh, wonderful. I feel, I feel like a new man. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. Rob. Thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Two more things before you go. Number one. Yes. Asking everyone on the podcast this question, one country in the world that you haven't visited that you'd love to visit? I would love to... I actually would love to go to South Africa. I really, really want to do the, 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 the safari and try and spot the big, you know, the, the big five. I've always wanted to... I did that. To, I did that uh, a few years ago yeah. to Melbourne Zoo. They were all there. Mm-hmm. They were all there. <laughs> what other big five? Lion. Lions, uh, cheetahs... Uh, Rhino, hippo, and elephant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And for all those wondering about tigers, they don't come from Africa. They're 
tiger in Africa. <laughs> Rob knows where that's from. I do. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's what I'd like. Yeah, South Africa. I'd like to, you know. Actually, no. Us. Before I go, first of all, mm-hmm. Rob. You're taking your show to another country later this year. I am, yeah. I'm taking Who Me to Chicago. I'm going to Chicago in uh, the last week of September, uh, last week of August, and the first couple of weeks of September. Um, and yes, yeah, so I'll be there for two weeks at the Chicago Fringe Festival. I'll also be there for Chicago Comic Con, where they'll have uh, nerd guests up the wazoo. Um, I'll be taking Humi over there. I was invited to go over there, which was really, really nice. If Amy Ack is there, please get an autograph for me. Amy Ack isn't there. I think David Boreanaz is going to be yeah. there. Uh, but yes, Karen Gillan and Matt Smith are going to be there. Um, uh, some of the guys from Big Bang Theory. Uh, Shatner is going to be there. I think they've got a couple of Star Trek people. It's uh, yeah. It's I'm looking forward to not only doing a an American festival, but also going. Anyone to... from Doctor Who? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No real Doctor Who. No real Doctor, Doctor, Doctor Who. No classics. No classics. But there is a Chicago TARDIS group that do Chicago. The ghost of Patrick Troughton's around that way. Hovers around that way. Yes. Was he in Chicago or was he? Might he... have been Chicago. Yeah. I have a funny feeling. I'm sure the Who fans will get in touch with us. It was in San... or maybe San Francisco. Of shame from San Francisco. But yes, so yeah, going over there, and then I come back and go into Melbourne Fringe doing a, uh, doing Who You're Supposed to Be, which is one of the Doctor Who shows I saw in Edinburgh. And the woman who was the Australian actress who was in it is coming, has now moved back home to Adelaide, and she's bringing the show to Melbourne, and I'm going to act in that with her. So come and see it. Come and see it. Every, every bit of information about me is on my website, robloyd.com.au or you can follow me on Twitter at at future Robbie double B-Y. and if you mention this podcast you'll be just as entitled to buy a ticket as anyone else exactly exactly all are welcome except for people with really big heads that like block the vision just, of the people behind it's them just disgusting I, I, it I makes me know. sick uh, there's not many people I detest but big giant headed people giant, are really, just, yeah. just you know gigantism of the forehead makes me want to vomit and for all our American listeners that's forehead in America Far, forehead Rob <laughs> 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 Lloyd thank you very much and that was my chat with Rob Lloyd thank you very much for tuning in this week uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Jock Reed Hill, and we are going to be talking about backpacking around Europe. Uh, it's a Jock's very entertaining. He's a great guy to chat with. Uh, this is going to be an interview over two weeks, so we're going to cover a fair bit of ground. Uh, you're going to hear some great stories from Jock, some some funny moments. So it's going to be definitely worth tuning in next week. Um, Rob got six on the. Uh, on the Capital City Challenge on the World Journeys podcast, uh, which is a pretty good effort. I, of course, was forgetting that Michael Woolhouse is the clubhouse leader at the moment with seven. Um, so we will uh, we will uh, put Rob there in in second position. This is the sound of me writing Rob down in second position. And if you believe that, you'll believe anything. So, um... Yes, so please come back 
thank you very much to Rob for joining us today. And next week, it's Jock Reed Hill. Until then, may the journey never end.